0: Greetings and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, E Ming So, today is a very different episode. We throw around the term special quite a bit, but today I'm just going to call it what it is. We're having a very different episode in honor of Election Day, which is today. We at Margin Call and Quest On Media have covered the election quite a bit this year, quite a bit. And we thought it was, it would be helpful and entertaining at the very least to gather some of our best of episodes and corral them together in one episode for your enjoyment. So if anything, if you just need a laugh, on election day. This is the place to be because I guarantee, if anything, you'll think and you'll laugh. We can guarantee that much. Okay, okay. It's a clip show, but it's an entertaining clip show. So for our first clip for you today, we go all the way back, all the way back to our 83rd episode where our host, Russell Morris, our election correspondent, Travis go into that foot in mouth Biden moment where he basically said black people aren't black. Very horrible moment for Biden, but obviously super entertaining wise for us. Let's check it out.
1: Guest today is Travis, 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 our dear friend, Travis. It's been so long since Travis has come on lately. It has been a while. Um, The the past few times you've been on, you've been essentially our kind of doomsday correspondent for uh, the Democratic primary. Uh, And then something happened in the news cycle, which completely disrupted (laughs) everything in the world. Uh, So there haven't been as many political conversations or explicitly political conversations on the show. Uh, But now that we've had a chance to catch our breath uh, and the presumptive Democratic nominee, whom I shall not name yet. I'll, I'll let somebody else on the show name that person. Um, It feels a little bit like campaign season. I know that this is a weird thing to say in the midst of a pandemic, but I was really, really dreading this uh, campaign year. Uh, Most years are pretty bad. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I think about the ones in modern memory. Uh, I worked as a political reporter for in 2000, 2004, 2008. It took everything out of me. Um, because they're nasty and mm-hmm. the news cycle is savage and vicious. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't even really matter who the nominees are. It's just the tenor that our country takes on and not being able to escape this constant onslaught of mudslinging and polarization. Um, and although we're in a very different period of darkness, uh, I I'd like to say, because I'm a positive person, one positive aspect for me personally right now uh, about what's happening in the world and about uh, this pandemic is that we are not so fully immersed in a disgusting, inescapable, mudslinging uh, presidential campaign, which we would be, you know, this is an election year. It's 2020. Um, That said, it's a little unnerving because when there's an incumbent who might not be the person you think should have the job and nobody else is making any noise that can cause its own anxiety. Um, and with no further throat clearing, as you have already heard, our guest today is Travis. Travis, welcome back to the show. Thank you for coming to have a discussion about whatever we would call this, a presidential election, a presidential campaign, no matter what we've decided to
2: call it. Thank you for taking the time to come here and try and unpack it. Yeah, I mean, there's no place I'd rather be. During these wow. dark, uncertain times. You mean you wouldn't rather be watching Glitter right now? Oh, God, no. Um,
1: okay, well, I take that as high praise. We're, um, we've are we been chosen over Mariah Carey's film from 2001. That- I don't even remember. <laughs> By the way, listeners, you should know, there are going to be a lot of references to Mariah Carey's film, Glitter, and the show today. That might seem a little confusing to you, but... We just had a conversation about Glitter beforehand, so if it comes up, all apologies, but we'll try to give as much context as we can. And I'm sure there are plenty of parallels to be drawn between the nightmare that that film was and the nightmare that we are currently
2: inhabiting. seal of the apocalypse that is the film and soundtrack (laughs) Glitter from 2001. Yeah,
1: that's it. You got rivers of blood. uh, You got locusts. uh, You got horsemen. And then, and glitter, I think. Yeah, I think glitter, that's right. Yeah, glitter, <laughs> glitter's one of those. I, you know, it's been a while since I read revelations, but I'm pretty sure Mariah Carey was in there. Yeah. Um, so the obvious place to start, I, I mean, there's so much context to give. There's so many questions to ask. Is there even a president, presidential election going on? Um, how did we get to the point that the person who is the nominee is the nominee? Um, and what does it look like when you're trying to have a national election and a national campaign and, Somebody's in the basement and the person who's the president is golfing and everybody else is fearing for their lives. Uh, I, I for the for the sake of this show, I would like to pretend that we are in the midst of a more normal campaign and we can talk about gaffes independently. I know that that's not really possible. Um, so all of that context said I just need to acknowledge the context in which this is happening before I embark on this next step which is to address a very major gaffe delivered by the presumptive Democratic nominee whose name is Travis who did we end up with
2: Joe Biden Joe (laughs) fucking Biden Joe Biden Uh, Joe goddamn Biden Biden. thank you grabby Joe grabby Uh, (laughs) Grabby Joe dirty uncle Joe
1: I'm reluctant to say Grabby Joe. I'm reluctant for us to just riff on how many derogatory nicknames we could give Joe Biden because I'm just afraid the president is going to take them and wield them. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it feels a little Trumpy to call him Grabby Joe, but he's just he's Grabby Joe, man. He's just Grabby Joe. Uh, And we we, we can talk more about his grabbiness later on. But I think first things first, for the sake of this conversation, for what's happening in the news cycle right now, we need to talk about Grabby Joe's appearance on The Breakfast Club with uh, with Charlemagne, And uh, for our listeners, and if you've been in a cave, which you probably have been because most people in the world right now are in the modern equivalent of a cave, which is your apartment or your home. uh, Presumptive, I keep saying that, I guess maybe I shouldn't say that. Presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden went on The Breakfast Club. uh, Pretty brief appearance, kind of weirdly contentious, actually. If you listen to the audio, it seemed like It should have just been I I mean, I appreciate Charlemagne for doing his diligence. He's a journalist and he wants to get answers, particularly for his audience. He's asking questions on behalf of black voters, Uh, a little more contentious than it needed to be. But I feel like he did okay up until that point. So he did as well as you thought Grabby Joe might do.
2: Yeah.
1: And then and then it was like less than 20 minutes. Yeah. 18 minutes, um, I think. You know, Joe Biden, this is a, another part of the problem, which is like Joe Biden thought he was just like, oh, what kind of show is this a black show? Oh, cool. Black people love me. I'm just going to walk in,
2: say some kind of Who like is ethnically telling ambiguous. Him that? Who <laughs> is ta- I have so it's so much to unpack. But for me, the, is, the greatest I'm like, if you if any of you out there know someone working on this campaign, please, this notion that he is like beloved in the black community. I need him to let that go, because that's not accurate. He rolls uh, up mean, into spaces, not as loved as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's got a lot of Michael Scott energy, which I yeah, think. Yeah, he's uh,
2: I I Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. His gas do you want to describe oblivious. his gas to the to Let's, the I'll
1: describe the gaffe to the people uh, if you haven't heard it uh, toward the end of the show. I think, you know, Charlemagne invited him back on and he said, listen, we have a lot more questions for you because you know, they were like, cutting it short. Yeah, he was, he was cutting it short. He had to go. Right. I, he doesn't have anywhere to be. You know, I don't know why he's cutting it short, but that's a separate question. Um, and. You know, I think Charlemagne was reiterating the fact that you know he has questions. He has questions. He'd like to continue the conversation. He wants to know more about his history. I mean, those were pointed journalistic questions. Like Charlemagne was not clowning or baiting him. Like I, I actually thought Charlemagne sounded pretty good. Um, and he's someone who I, I kind would of say had that it was a particularly
2: professional interview for Charlemagne the God.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I think he did a good job. So at the end, while inviting him back. Saying, I, I have more questions for you. We have more questions for you. Uh, Biden stepped in to say he was so close to being out. He he could have just said, so "Okay, yeah, I'd close. love to." Say. So close. He was so close to being out and so doing close. a pretty good job. I would have given him like almost like a solid B, really. Yep. for uh, on the on the grabby Joe scale. It's I'd like, like whoever
2: decided to cut it short knew this moment was coming, and they just mm-hmm. they put they they threw in the towel too late. He might
1: only have like an 18 minute clock. It might be like an 18 minute countdown before he says something ridiculous. 15,
2: and, a tight 15. His handlers, his handlers 15.
1: know he's like, oh no, he's, we're at 1730. All right, let's wrap it up, Joe. Wrap it up, 1745. We're getting close. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to get the quote wrong. I want to read it exactly as Joe Biden said it. Uh, I'm not going to try and say it in his voice. Um. But I I want to make sure we get this right because I've heard it quoted uh, many times and I want to make sure I quote it right. Joe Biden, in the closing moments of his appearance, said to Charlemagne, who was a black man, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's the quote. Lots of you have heard it. Probably all of
2: you have heard it. Yeah, uh, it's audacious for many, many reasons. Um, as i me say this, I'm it, I it strikes what's what struck me is like when you say I don't want to read it in his voice because yeah. when I heard it, um, I was like, "Is he doing a black scent right now?" Because I yeah. that did it not was. strike me as his voice. No, it wasn't his voice. <laughs> that was like. Yeah, it was. That he was, like, sucking and jiving. And I was like, what is happening? Because it was really like a, it was almost a Chris Rock. Like, he, um, he ain't black. Like, it was a thing. But I was like, that is not where did Uncle Remus come from all of a sudden? I mean,
1: I was going to say the cherry on top, if you even just remove his voice from it and you just look at the quote, the cherry on top is that he didn't say, you aren't black.
2: No, you ain't black. Oh. You ain't black, <laughs> yeah. And I Which feel is, like every black person who works in his campaign just like sighed and looked down all oh, at the same time.
1: Oh, grabby Joe, grabby cracker because Joe. Because what I also
2: <laughs> think is that there is some black person in his circle who said that in front of him, and he was like, "Ooh, yeah. I'm gonna use that." And it's like, oh. "No, you don't take it out of." No, that is oh. a that is an among us. That's a good guess. That is an among is us thing. A, Don't repeat that. That's a good yeah. Don't go around telling other black people that, please.
1: Hmm. <sighs> I mean, it's particularly it's it's an audacious thing on so many levels.
2: I, I just want to try and list as many levels as possible. <laughs> well, I will say this. At no point during the primaries did he do media like this. Right. So he wasn't like on Angela Rye. He wasn't on like Bre- like and other candidates did. He was not mm-hmm. someone who like really campaigned in this kind of black centered media. Mm-hmm. So the he fact
1: kinda, he, he did like uh, what Hillary did to Wisconsin, he he did to black
2: people. Right. He was He's like, like, I, I, I got, do y'all. I yeah, I got, got y'all. I already got y'all. I don't have to convince yeah. y'all <laughs> of nothing. Um, <laughs> this, despite actually very much having to. So for me, it was like this is your, like your first showing, and you can't like you can like a. You can't even get get out of the interview um, without this. And for me, so close. And so. What's also bothers me and what sort of the fallout of this has been people obviously criticizing this and being upset by it because, right, you should be. But then folks like no matter what, he's still the better candidate than Trump and you should like vote for him no matter what. I'm like that is actually not even the conversation. The conversation is he's not going to win doing things like this. I am going to vote for him no matter what. But of course there are people who won't. You ha- he ha- at this point he needs to be inspiring people and this this was not an inspiring showing. And it wasn't even like it was like a high tense pressured environment. Like Maybe. I don't even. I don't think that this was like a an aggressive or pointed. It was an issue focused interview. Yeah. Um, and maybe things that he wasn't used to talking about, but should at this point. Those were a lot of softball questioning. Like it wasn't. No one was out to get him, and he sort of like yeah. fumbled, and it's like you don't have room to do that here. Yeah. And so that's my point. Is like <gasps> campaign better. Campaign better than this. For this next
0: clip, our host Russell Morris chats with our correspondent Travis once again and our other occasional correspondent Amelia during the time where Kamala Harris was had been picked for the VP position for joe biden so let's hop in there and see what they had to say
1: i want to start like i said i started with you travis only because this nomination process has been a series of disappointments is is this in any way like a little bit of a bump for you just like a little just taking a little xanax just where you're just like oh this is you know what i mean at the end
2: of a terrible trial. um it certainly lubricates the fucking that is coming our way. <laughs>
3: That's a cool
2: quote, <laughs> Kamala for lube. <Loop. laughs> certainly, like some, some spit
1: happened. Um, wow, that is that is. Wow. Oh, I, I really am the. It pilot,
3: wasn't,
2: <laughs> wow, no, I'm landing this plane. But <laughs> I feel like there's a way in which it didn't feel like an enthusiastic choice. Like the way that he just like waited so long to like yeah. let us know who he was choosing, yeah. and the way the media spin happened, it felt like if I have to choose Kamala like all this sort of like it just for me yeah I'm like fine like let's I'm ready to vote tomorrow I'm glad that she's there because then a grown up will be in the room um but I still sort of feel like someone with her credentials if she were in any other body would be our nominee yeah like if you had like a white man who was a D.A. attorney general even with her like even with like the criticisms we had of her it would have been like her and more. Like it would not. We would not be talking about Biden. Yeah. So like I'm just sort of like great, great,
1: great. Yeah, that's um, a good point. That's a really good point. It is in some ways, even though you know the VP pick is huge, right? Like a, I understand
2: you know. this is as, as her making him electable. Yeah, yeah. And like that's such, that's such heavy lifting to do from that position and such an unfair ask. But it's like so typical of like our country. Like this, like. Well, get a, get a black woman, woman like, to do it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Do this <laughs> You're in trouble. Yeah. It does feel that way. Go, go ahead, you Amelia. Think,
3: I was just going to say like, do you think she has the pull, though? Like across the country?
1: I mean, let's say this. I I don't really have any confidence. Here's my official answer. I'm
3: nervous about the election in general. I mean, I'm I nervous that Joe Biden's even going to get a. Right, we got
1: to take this. We got to take this one step at a time. This week okay. on Margin Call, we discuss Kamala Harris in the vice president. And you know, Halloween. Right. If you want to talk about what's going to happen on election, it's
3: not day. that far away,
0: Russell. It's like
1: five minutes. It's,
3: it's like so close. We're in and I'm nervous. I'm definitely very you nervous. You what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I but think like about Trump the news
1: cycle. Think about how quickly things change. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was no way. Like, like, let's say there was a day when George Floyd was alive, and then the next day he was not, and the world changed forever. We don't know right. how many events like that are going to happen between That's now right. and November. It's true. So, and I'm not a person who is anxiety prone and jumps ahead and says, you know, makes projections about something I have no idea about. You know, I really just want to sit with the moment. I'm not trying to tell you guys to do this too, but I just think like. We have to take this one step at a time. And to answer your question, Amelia, I have almost no confidence in Joe Biden's ability to be a competent candidate for president. That is my answer. I have full confidence in Kamala Harris's ability to be a competent um, running mate. Definitely running mate. Right. And so with that, I just I have to be happy because up until now, I've just been looking at Joe in his basement with his Mortal Kombat mask on, you know, and I don't feel good about that, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. I watched, I watched Kamala's speech. It's the first thing I've watched live on like a cable news channel since I don't know when, cause I don't watch things live on cable news channels anymore because it's, it's just sad. It's never, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, maybe I watched Cuomo, you know, when everybody in New York was dying of COVID, but this was a nice moment. I was like, Hey, here's Kamala, you know, like it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't life changing. It wasn't like watching Obama get his nomination, but it was like, Hey, look, there's like a smart person on stage who can put a sentence together and give a good speech. You know what I mean? Like, she looks great. She looks confident. She sounds great. Like I have a reason at least to be a little bit excited. And I have basically not paid any attention to the fact that we have a presidential election going on since Biden got the nomination. I'm I'm just being real.
2: Because after the nominations and obviously lots of media about her sort of like started coming out, including like reposting things that like when she was running for president. And um, that was really great because it reminded me of like all the things that you just said about how smart she is, about her history. But one thing that sort of came across to me and the things that I've been watching over the last week is I forgot how personable she is and how the, there's a way in which I felt like in some ways she and Warren ran the most compelling campaigns for me because it, they were very people-based. Like you saw them going out talking to people, often people who disagreed with them and having real conversations in a way that I didn't see any other candidate doing. Like it wasn't just going to rallies for people who were like, yes, we love Kamala. It was like people really challenging her. And she's really good in that moment. And someone who can say, I've cha- I've, de- I've evolved on that issue. I'm yeah. sort of thinking about like marijuana, for example. Like she's like, I just think we need to legalize it nationwide. And that's something, you know, so. I am falling sort of like in this hopeful place of where you are, where I think that more so than any other campaign, I get this as like a ticket. Like I wasn't really thinking about Obama, Biden. I was thinking Obama, right? Um, This, I'm Mm -hmm. like, it is, it is, it is Biden, Harris. Like it's the ticket. She is making him electable.
1: Yeah. I mean, Biden, Biden on the Obama ticket was really just like, we need somebody to pick up the cracker crumbs. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And and he's the person to do it. And it worked, you know? And this is a different thing because nobody is in charge at the Biden campaign. And now it feels like somebody kinda is. And that right. you know, is comforting for me. Yeah, I agree. She should be the nominee. Like if uh, there's anyone who's like,
2: you can't tell black people they're not black, it's gonna be her. Don't say that. Joe. <laughs> yeah, right? You gotta
1: outsource stuff like that, Joe. Don't say that, Joe. <laughs> And you know what? While we're talking about it, she probably shouldn't say that either. Basically, nobody should tell anybody that they're not who they are, just especially not a black person. Um, Okay, so uh, Amelia, I wanted to come to you on a very specific issue just because Much of the criticism when Kamala was running as president was the fact that she was a district attorney, right? She locked a lot of people up. She was a top cop and she was very proud of that record and she put it out front. Um, And people who are in the world of criminal justice reform and people who are serious about, you know, uh, undoing mass incarceration and people who are serious about the way that the criminal justice system adversely affects black people and people of color and um, you know, really said like this, that for that reason, she's not the person for this job. Like I can't support Kamala. And this was a lot of progressive people and a lot of progressive people are still saying this. So I'm asking you, Amelia, as a person who has done a lot of criminal justice advocacy work and has your own personal life has been affected by the criminal justice system and your family, is that like, does that give you any pause? Like what are your thoughts on Kamala as a, a VP pick in that context?
3: Yeah, I mean, in that context, I'm not, like, a super fan just because of, like, what she has signed on to. I mean, both of them are huge reasons why we have the system that we have today, for sure. Um, At the same time, I mean, I think, like... uh, I don't know. All of these things, I don't know. To me, it like really doesn't matter at this point. It's like I'm just gonna vote for them, yeah. and I, I, you know, I, I. It's interesting. Like on my social media feed, I see a lot of my friends because. Okay, sorry, separate thing really fast. But I was listening to a podcast recently, or maybe we had this conversation. I don't really remember, but it was about the swing voters. And the swing voters now are not who they were before. The swing voters now are people my age. It's like 22 to 25 or 30. Those are your swing voters. Those are the people you need to convince. Those are like the, yeah, the, Progressive, whatever the burning people, or like you know, like the people who are like, no, I'm a hard no. If you signed on to this policy, or if you supported this effort, or if you, you know, I, you're a no because you, you know, basically I can't trust your that you just now had an epiphany, you know, and you're gonna change your mind. And so that's the group of people that I think people now need to convince. Like I, and But at the same time, you know, they're also the worst in voting millennials, which is the similar situation. You know, they yeah. feel like I can't I can't sign on to something that I'm not fully invested in. But I don't think that's a that's a valid <laughs> right now. That is not a valid reason. Yeah. And um and and I and it's actually to me whatever, don't come from me if anyone listens to this, but to me, it's a little bit of arrogance. Like you're kind of only thinking about yourself in that moment and what you think and what you feel like, like, this is not like, I saw a tweet that was like voting is you don't have to marry the person. Like it's not about marrying them. You know, you're not, you don't have to be like, you're my number one hero, save me. But we have to really think about like the next four years and we cannot do another four years with Trump. Period.
0: Our next clip. Um, this episode was hosted by yours truly, myself. We had on our uh, our sister podcast, Geek Force, Cat um, and Raymond, to discuss the future of the Democratic Party. A lot of us, you know, we weren't happy with Biden. You know, he wasn't like the most progressive pick for a lot of people, but. The moment provided a lot of reflection, I think, that Kat and Raymond really get into in this episode about where the the DNC can go from here after this moment, after this election. Um but first I want to say that I watched the first full night of the DNC and it was kind of like watching, it kind of reminded of a, a geek force when you guys first started recording, like trying to work out all the issues because it, it, it was all live. Like they had, they had, um, people who were, who were, who were speaking live and people who were pre-recorded and there's a lot of like, stop, like, like start and stop. Like it's not quite ready yet. Okay. Go now we're live kind of situation. So that was kind of funny. Um, it was interesting. Because it was like, you know, one big, weird infomercial in a way, not really literally infomercial, but kind of on the verge of being infomercial. Um, But it was interesting. And for for me, the, the most interesting thing that I saw was how many Republicans were on that. Were there to like Promote Biden It was so crazy Like I was I was watching on CBS And Chris Christie was on And he was talking Mad crap about What's his face There was some Republican Who was who was on And he was like Well he's not trustworthy And I was like Wow This is like The burned book Of mean girls They're just like He's not good He's not cool He's a traitor It was just this like Weird look Into the The, the Republican Party In a way It's like Y'all don't like This dude so much That you're willing to admit that you're kind of a traitor to your party. Finally, um, yeah, right. Like it was, it was like this weird. It was so like Straight. they had. It was like right, like, like it was like a five minute clip of like different Republicans saying why they backed Biden. It was just really refreshing and like finally, like yay, like there is some like not crappiness where, to
4: the. where were y'all during this impeachment,
0: Republicans? Yeah, for real, right. Anyways, so I, w- I know Ray's got some hot takes. Kat has many hot takes. So I'm going to let you guys go from there. If you guys saw it, you guys watched clips of it. What are your thoughts? I want to hear them all.
5: I'm positive. I feel like, you know, uh, there were a lot of great speakers, especially uh, Michelle Obama really moved a lot of folks. Um I I personally felt like uh, AOC Alexandria for some of y'all. I felt like she needed more time. She only had like sixty seconds. You know, Uh, it was nice to see Bernie and Elizabeth too to kind of rally the people who were progressive. You know, and we like they knowing that they didn't want Biden, but to they had to you know be that image and be that voice to kind of be like, hey, you know. It is what it is. We just got to unite together because I think the, the theme of the night was we got to beat Trump. We got to beat Trump. Like, that's what I feel like the theme was. Right. It right. was a lot of <laughs> unity and we have to fight this together, you know. Um, I understand usually in these conventions you don't talk about your plans, especially plans that involve, like, what are we going to do in this situation right now? Like, we're stuck in a pandemic. I understand that. So to be like a beacon of hope, you know, it kind of reminded me of Joe taking a page out of Obama's uh, book when he was running back in 2008 with the whole, you know, yes, I can thing. It, it felt very, yeah. it felt very similar in oh, a way.
0: Right. And
5: so I, I I enjoyed that positivity, you right. know, and that's where I'm going to stop there. Did Did you guys feel
0: like there was, do you think that this the whole DNC structure was like, you know, we're just fighting to, like, overturn Trump? Like, we don't want him back. So, but we're not going to tell you what we actually want to do when we get to the White House. Like, yes. do you guys have any kind of that sense? I that's definitely did.
5: That's the vibe I was feeling. And that's my uh, issue oh, is. Ray
0: disagrees. Kind of, well, yeah, that's good. I'm glad he
5: disagree. That's the vibe I was getting. In fact, that's the vibe I've been getting since they nominated Biden because, uh, again, their main goal is to just defeat this man. That's step number one. Step number two, I don't know what they want, I really don't know what they want to do or anything. Really, I'm sure it's probably helping people with jobs and whatever, which is awesome. But I, I don't know, uh, and and I'm like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's just to make us feel calm first without mm-hmm. knowing the information. Right. That's that's what I'm feeling.
4: Raymond, there's the word disagreed doesn't fit because I get the same vibe also, but I also think that it makes sense to me that that's their plan because the democratic party has just such, it, the umbrella is too humongous um it honestly needs to split up into two parties it needs to split up mm. into this weird like mm. semi-conservative semi-middle we trying to like we want to do good for people but like but like still kind of against some of the same progressive things that like like i feel like the democratic party is just too big and that's what happened in 2016 right. is no right. one could get on board for the same person, we were kind of all over the place, while the Republican Party was completely on board to one person, um, and like, and they still are, and they st- yeah. It was what it kind of feels like, but it, it yeah, because who can trust polls at this point because they were wrong in 2016, and who can trust anything because Russia and China have been proven to be doing the same thing that Russia was doing in 2016. So like, there's there's a sense of unease, I think that they, the leadership of the DNC probably have to just, let's focus on this one thing that we know we can focus on, which is getting this guy out of the White House. And then everything else can come after that. And there's a part of me that... That's why, like, disagree. That's the vibe I get, but I'm kind of okay with that because that is, that should be primary goal. Numero uno is that for anyone that is tired of our current president. That's like, it doesn't matter if we agree on the Green New Deal. We both agree on this guy shouldn't be in charge of the country. It doesn't matter if we agree on unemployment, but what unpo- unemployment benefits should look like. We need to get this guy out of the white house. Like, and so it's, a. Uh, I get why they're doing it, but it also is a struggle because it, like you said, AOC should have got more time. Um, they, there's other, there's a lot of people on that progressive side that really didn't get any play at all. Um, like she's the only, I want to say she's like the only one besides Bernie and Warren that like, Got some screen time um, out of that, out of those groups, and so, and especially if they're, yeah. So there's, there is, there is that, um, and I, I'm glad that they at least kind of had that message. I appreciated some of the talks that I heard from people um, like Obamas, like the Obamas, like honestly, like Biden. Biden's speech was pretty good too. Um, I didn't hear much of Harris's speech. Um, but I'm sure she did fine. People seem to like that night. Also. Um, I didn't pay attention to what Clinton said, either Clinton said, honestly, but, but like, but that's, but that goes into my bigger problem of like I'm tired of the democratic party. Um, just, and, and so there is, um, there there's there's a lot going on right now that is just this year has been a complicated mess of things and i think uh the fact that um we really can't get anywhere uh politically right now just kind of feels like that is the definition of the problem and so i hope we at least we at least see some some progress. I like that they had the Republicans coming on there. They like that was it was it was a good thing. We needed them to do that months and years ago. But like at least now they're finally getting behind <laughs> the fact that this guy is has been ruining things. Um, and I want to see a better change for the Democratic Party. But I also don't think that will that will happen um, at all. How, what I want to see will happen. Um, so um, what? Yeah, there's uh, I got I got thoughts for days on that part. But the, the the grand scheme of things for this Democratic National Convention was, yes, great. Uh, everybody's behind this idea of getting Trump out of the White House and. um If that's if that's what's going to happen. Great. Um, I guess at that point, we can focus on the rest of the things. What are you actually going to do? I at least appreciate Biden has been talking a lot with Bernie. Bernie keeps saying him and uh, the two of them have been having a lot of conversation about the things that uh, Bernie was pushing for. Um, And as much as Kamala Harris has gotten on my nerves in a couple of ways since everybody started campaigning, um, she still at least was one that I was really excited for at first for basic for very, very basic reasons. And then as time went on, she started saying things or just kind of acting in a certain way that like, I was like, what are, I don't understand where you're going. I don't know how this is going to get you the presidency it, like you want to do. you. mean during, you.
0: during this part of the campaign or when she was running for president?
4: Um, in our incredibly stupidly long two-year run for president process, yes. Um,
3: oh, yeah. Um,
4: and so... Over that time, same thing with like Buttigieg. I, I really liked him like immediately out the <laughs> gate, but then over yeah. the course of a year and a half, of course, you're going to start seeing things that you don't like about a person. Right. and it, Like, just pro, like, there's, there's, there's very few pros and a lot of cons to that. But, um, there is, um, I at least think that she is one, she is, she is one that has proven that she will listen to people. And that's, that is a that is already a bigger change than what we have currently in the White House. Um, so and Biden is the same way. He at least has proven he will listen to people. It, what we will get out of his presidency is going to be a big throw in the air. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I at least know he's going to sit down and listen to what the people want and at least try and. Try and be fair to everyone, which is what the Democrat, but like, and that's the problem with the Democratic Party is they're trying to be fair to like five different giant groups of people that all have different agendas, um, all of which will probably be positive things. But like what what you do it just, it just becomes option par- paralysis, while the Republican Party is all behind one thing that they that is not positive most of the time, and and so you have half of these huge legislative bodies being against any sort of progress, while the other half is still fighting on what kind of progress they want to fight for. Like it is just a mess. Uh, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things to say about this, uh, this whole legislative process, but at least we, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Trump has shot himself in the foot enough this year where I'm feeling good about what November 3rd is going to bring. Um, but I, I can't count. From your lips to the universe's
0: that. ears, Raymond. I've,
4: I like, I've, I just, I feel like he has shot himself in the foot so many times this year
0: uh yeah but never never i mean he's a trojan horse you never know (laughs) oh you're right never know what he's gonna do (laughs) you are correct you never know what's gonna happen
5: I just wanted to insert a geeky analogy because when Ray was saying all this stuff, it just sounded like Jedi's versus Sith, Sith Lords to me. Yeah. Um, you know how I the Jedi mean... being divided in so many different ways because of what good means to them and what Sith Lords are just they <laughs> deal in like absolute, that. so it's very easy. Yeah. But it feels like that. It just feels like that. Like,
0: and so it's definitely a good and evil battle. It The problem our,
4: the overall problem is we don't have a third party. And and like well, uh, well, we, I, we, uh, no one ever votes for it. No, we have like 25 incredibly tiny third parties. We don't have a third party like and that's it's a uh, there's all of these. I feel like the Democratic Party has been slowly inching towards. Maybe we'll finally get one in the next decade, to three decades of like because you have AOC and Bernie and all the rest of the the squad coming through and like bringing in this progressive these progressive ideas to the Democratic Party. But I honestly think what they what would they they would benefit better from is just a third progressive party um mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. we don't yeah. get we, like we pull away from this dichotomy because that's that, at the end of the day that's the problem was we've spent so many decades and centuries being this weird two-party system that has just gotten more and more polarized and more and more infighting and we are just at like when we all are trying to just build a better place but everyone no one agrees on anything and we hate each other for not agreeing with us and so like but a third party would make us sit down and talk better um even if it's like 40 40 20 on a 30 party system in this in congress and in the house like yeah then that would be better than what we have right now like but it's we're we're, that uh, that's, as the Democratic Party is right now, we'll never see it happen. So,
0: <laughs>
5: pro- go ahead, Kat. And the fact that like the history of Democrats and Republicans Republicans have changed like so much since the beginning of the founding fathers, you know, and it was back in the day. I mean, Lincoln was a Republican, but today he would be he would be, he'd be a Democrat with the stuff that he was pulling back in the day. And um, so I'm like, it's definitely possible. It's just that there's so many people in who are in power and who are so stuck in the old ways that just don't want to do it. They they think it's more work. That means there's more power to the people, which they don't want. They're so used to, you know, these people sitting in these rooms for hours, deciding on the fates of millions and then then doing arguments and then taking vacation in the middle of a pandemic with no funds or anything. And they're just like, eh, it's just part of the job. And I'm like, you're lucky you have a job. You lucky you have all that. And you still don't care about your country. I feel like, like if we are going to move towards a third party, whatever, there needs to be law set where when it comes to government officials that like, they can't do that. There's, there's been so much death and so much, like this is the most death we've had in so long in this country. And, in order for this world, or at least for us to kind of build forward, we're going to have to not just put laws on us, put laws on them. As far as like with these petty arguments, you're going to have to not stop. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop trying to put, oh, I'm going to slide this in if you agree. Like y'all need to stop. that.
0: For our next clip, we have again, Russell and Travis. As we inch closer and closer to the election, um, they discuss a lot of elements a lot of it regards to to the the VP debate that went down and COVID and the reaction to COVID during the selection season. So that's that's head to that clip right now.
1: I would hope and I think that our goal is always to try and approach these subjects uh, from an angle that you're not accustomed to. I think one of my least favorite things uh, about the way that we communicate and about our, our discourse now is that you like go to one channel and that channel is just like, all these people suck. You know, and then you go to the other channel and that channel is like, no, no, actually, all those people suck. Um, I really don't see much of a difference between MSNBC and Fox News. I've said it before, but I'm just not interested in, you know, an echo chamber. Nobody's learning anything if we're all just kind of like telling each other what we want to hear. And there are a lot of levels of analysis for what's going on in our political culture right now. It's just hard to have that kind of exchange with people because it's a very intense time because the stakes are high. And, you know, I said I was going to stop using the word polarized, but I had to use it one more time now. And this is a very politicized time. It's not by accident. You know, this is the most successful way for social control is divide and conquer. You make one group and you create another group, you make them hate each other um, and then they'll be loyal to you. Uh, Tale as old as time. But here at Queston, we just like to have conversations punctuated by our own observations, talking about how politics affects our own lives, and also, um, you know, the more incidental things, the more humorous things, uh, social relevance we may not have considered before. Uh, and with all of that said, welcome, welcome, welcome to our first pre-election extravaganza. <laughs> I'm very glad that it allows me to welcome one of my favorite people to the show, Travis Johnson. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me in yeah. these dark and certain times. In these dark and certain times,
1: eventually, we're, eventually we're gonna have to stop saying that it's just gonna be times. Yeah, you know what I mean, There's, it's been you know, dark and uncertain for so yeah. long. I'm not asking people about how they're doing. Like, are you alright, COVID? It's just, it just does like, what's up? Let's go. let's talk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think the same thing can be extended to just like political chaos and you know, like the verge of Armageddon. It's just here. So this is this is what life is like now. Um, Uh, part of the reason we did this show, obviously we wanted to have Travis back. Obviously the election is a couple of weeks away, Um, but uh, there's also a lot going on. You know, I, I usually dread election years, you know, 20 years ago I was a young reporter and I was like, Oh my God, send me to the democratic national convention. You know, I want to be a political reporter. I want to watch the horse race. And I did that in 2004 and I did that in 2008. And I used to really personally, be enthralled by the horse race and the, the new cycle around a national election. Uh, and then around 2012, 2016, I, it just, it started to be unpleasant for me and just for the sake of mental health, I just, you know, I'm an informed person, but I did not immerse myself in, uh, our, our national political process, but you don't have to immerse yourself because it's inescapable this year obviously is different, right? Because the pitch of intensity has been turned up so much more, right? Like people hate slash love candidates more than they ever have before. People hate slash love each other more than they ever have before. But it's also obviously taking place in the midst of uh, a global pandemic where the stakes are raised, right? Like, usually when you're voting for president, it's kind of like, who cares? What does the president even do? You know what I mean? If you really, really think about it, federal government doesn't do that much. um, And it's kind of just a culture war. You know, there is important stuff happening on a federal level. But this year we learned, wait a minute, the federal government is the people that is supposed to be in charge when something terrible happens. And when they don't do that, that something terrible is way worse than it would have been otherwise. And I would like it if that were the tenor of our political conversations now, like, hey, who do you want at the helm? This is why we have a federal government. If you get attacked by another, you know, by a hostile force, you know, you want to make sure your federal government is together enough to launch a defense. If, even if you're a libertarian, you know, you want to make sure the federal government could handle the pandemic. Um, unfortunately, that's not the conversation we're having. The conversation we're having is that a fly landed on Hunter uh, Hunter Pence. I always call him Hunter Pence, my favorite baseball player. A fly landed on uh, Mike Pence's head Uh during the debate, that's fine. You know, it's cute and it's funny, but we are living in the the age of memes and there's too much information to process. And if we really talked about what was happening right now, we just curl up into a ball in the shower and die.
2: I also, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but I also think there's a way in which the debates themselves, I'm talking about both the presidential debate and the vice presidential debate, even though I feel like more so than ever, it was clear. Even if you're not like a politically savvy person, I think it was just clear how much theater it was yeah. and how little information could be gleaned from it. That like, it didn't really leave an opportunity to, disc- to have the conversation. Like, I consider myself a fairly informed person. I don't know that I watched either, certainly not the presidential debate, but I certainly, even the vice president, presidential debate, which I think was more policy-driven, I didn't come away from that feeling informed or feeling like there was, like, something policy-driven to discuss. It just seemed to me, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm obviously a Kamala fan, um, but, you know, there were moments where, like, she's like, I'm not answering that question, right? Um, Mm. Or, like, there were moments where, like, even, like, in the debate where it was just so clear that they each just came to say what they wanted to say um, and weren't really addressing questions. And even sort of like Pence's decision to like completely take what she said out of context. It was like, it's not even factual or real or like, what would I come away from that talking to people about other than this odd fly on his head and his pink eye or like talking over each other or talking over the moderator. It's just sort of like that, the, the theater and those personalities, I feel like I came away talking, talking about how I cannot believe this is American politics. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a reminder, you know, I, I don't want to linger too much on uh, the presidential debate, you know, with uh, Trump and Biden, because it was just so chaotic and negative that I kind of prefer not to stay in that place too much. But it did remind me, and this is true for both debates and to your point um, of what a debate actually is, you know, like think about in school speech and debate. Right. They'll they'll say like, oh, OK, Um you know, we're going to talk about, uh, uh abortion, you know, and then somebody yeah. chooses a side and says like, well, here's why, you know, abortion should be illegal, you know, and here's why abortion should be legal. And then one side gets up there and says like, well, human life to uh, starts at the moment of conception and, you know, therefore abortion is immoral. And they, they spend their 20 minutes and they say, you know, this philosopher said this and then, you know, and then the other guy gets up and says like, you know, human life doesn't begin at the moment of conception. And this is a question about a woman's body. Body and a person's body and the government has no, but, you know, right. And you hear those two points. And then, you know, whoever made the case more strongly, quote unquote, wins the debate. And it's it's that. That has, that's gone. That is yeah. long gone. And yeah. that's been, that's been
2: gone. I don't know why we're calling these debates anymore. They're really yeah. just an opportunity. So you for don't even, to you points. don't even, you don't even have them really responding to the same question. No, never. No, um, like not even asked. You don't even have them necessarily even asked the same question, Mm-mm. which I sort of understand. Um, but like, just sort of talking about like how we learned debate, um, and I was someone who like was very much in debate, and like so for me watching it, and also like as a lawyer who litigates, it's sort of like inconceivable to me that, like you would interrupt someone while they are addressing the person who asked them. It. Like it's inconceivable yeah. to me yeah. that, like you would do that, or that you would be asked a specific question and just completely choose not to answer it and to like waste all your time like answering another point and to have that sort of be accepted like you would give that long answer and the person who asked you a question wouldn't say you did not answer my question Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like you've wasted time right like there's no either as someone like who grew up in debate both in in high school and in college and then also as like I said a lawyer who is like in court who you know it just It just wasn't a debate to me. It was just sort of like either of them. It was just sort of this theater um, that I don't know was useful other than to sort of like make clear, I guess, maybe what the stakes are in this election.
1: Yeah. Incidentally, make clear what the stakes are. I mean, I there's there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, what happened to the civility and decorum in politics. Right. And usually I'm a bit of an anarchist. So I'm like, I, you know, let's get rid of civility and decorum. Right. Initially, that was my instinct. Uh, Maybe sometimes you do need to make noise and maybe sometimes you do need to go off topic. And maybe there are things we need to talk about that need to be yelled or whatever. Um, But watching these debates reminded me what a disservice it is for people who are like voters, citizens who, you know, I don't believe that there is an undecided undecided voter in this country. I can't imagine who that person would be. Um, But, you know, ostensibly in an election, there are people who are trying to make a decision now. And the purpose of those debates is to make a decision. And those people would say, well, abortion is an important issue to me. You know, I want to hear what this person says about it. I want to hear what that person says about it. For for example, I'm just saying abortion, you know. There, there has not been any of that they, going all the way back to the even the primaries. I mean, we complained about the primaries, but at least people were up there like saying, hey, here's what I think the tax code should be. You know right. what I mean?
2: And then someone else trying to say, distinguish themselves. Yeah. But now and actually, you know, and I think and I think pretty authentically, too. Right. Like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's at least in the primaries, because I don't feel like people were trying to say this is what you're about when they knew that that's not what that person was about right like the mm-hmm. idea that like whatever I don't know it just sort of like seemed like an intention an intentional miscast of each other's sides to like alarm yeah. folks and I'm like there's enough to alarm folks just based on the truth you don't actually have to be up here lying yeah Well, you know, I had the same thought, even my own instinct.
1: Obviously, I was more excited about the vice presidential debate Mm -hmm. than the presidential debate, because I thought, you know, to your point about the way that trial attorneys uh, present information. I thought, oh, great. You know, uh, let's hear Kamala get in and like, you know. Uh, the people versus the Trump administration. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. here, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, here's what happened. Here's why that's egregious, and um, that's not what happened. But even hoping for that, you know, I'm thinking that's not even really a debate either. It's like we're no. we looking for we're looking for takedowns, right? right? We're right. like, ooh, you know, everybody wants the soundbite, and I've heard people you know, in the political sphere, say the way that we consume information now, particularly with social media, everybody's trying to get that one line that is going to be memed and clipped and repeated and shared. Right. And in some ways for Kamala, you know, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking was like her, you know, and that's fine. I'm really glad that she's whatever, like a strong and assertive enough person to say, like, knock it off. And she's also disciplined enough not to say, shut up, man, you know, but that doesn't teach me anything. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know anything more about how she would be as a vice president or how Biden would be as a president, except to know that they really like fracking and they don't give a shit about climate change. (laughs) That's the only thing I learned. The only thing I learned about Kamala Harris was that she's totally on board with not giving a shit about the planet as long as they win Pennsylvania. And if anything, that diminished my enthusiasm. Uh, for Kamala and told me, Kamala, you don't give a shit about anybody who's not in Pennsylvania right now because you're like, what else are you gonna do? Oh, well, you're gonna vote for Trump because I'm fracking. No, which really to me telegraphs the attitude
2: of the Democratic Party in general, which is like, yeah, we're gonna do whatever we oh, want. I mean, I think it's, it's the like- reason why we voted, why the choice is Biden and not Kamala, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. what also happens is they didn't do a. I mean, Pence couldn't really do a great job of this because. I mean, for the obvious reason, but like, her platform wasn't Biden's platform. <laughs> His platform is what's going to run the day, right? And so, mm-hmm. just sort of like, it's ingenious to sort of have have to have her defend a platform that wasn't necessarily the one that she would have ran on if she were president. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that piece, but I I feel like we expect that because that I mean, certainly Biden and and Obama had that. Hence, I feel like it's interesting to have him, you know, this essentially evangelical um, vice president who is like Trump's vice president is fascinating. It it, it
1: hurts the brain. It it really does hurt the brain. I read an article today about um, Latino evangelicals Mm -hmm. who are voting for Trump, but also really... I mean, torn. A lot of people, many of them who are immigrants, many of them are Mexican-American. Many of them are, you know, I mean, what drives
2: that the abortion issue? It's not abortion.
1: It's like it's just it's God. You know what I mean? Like to them, he says enough things about God and he's going to put someone on the Supreme Court that, you know, to your point. Um, even just like that's why he takes a picture with a Bible in front of the church Do you know what I mean like even though the rest of us are like that is so idiotic it makes no sense in the midst of this protest what is it who, who is he sending this message to he's sending a message to, to those people who are single issue right. voters who are just like I love God evangelical voters have stood by him through this whole time and it's really incomprehensible everything I know well, I, think,
2: to- I think there is <laughs> Well, I've read that the broader the broader issue is the Supreme Court pick, the conservative mm-hmm. also packing the, the lower federal courts. Israel. Israel a big one for evangelicals right. as well. You know, but also this idea of like religious freedom that like you can discriminate against people if God told yeah. you to.
1: And also there is like this that. like, there's a sciencey aspect, which is like, I think skepticism about science is sometimes embraced by, you know, evangelical people in some ways, just because they've been embattled, you know, evangelicals wrestle with evolution yeah. and and, no, there's
2: this. There's you, this in my hometown of Nashville. This weekend, um, some faith-based group held this big rally on state property. No masks. It's just like this big prayer out with awful Christian music. Um, and I think like this. Whatever, what? they are white. You're saying. <laughs> I am saying that. I, I, I didn't know I, that. Until didn't you to not, awful I didn't mean to not, not say that. Um, so I'm glad that you.
1: I didn't, know it. I, didn't, I didn't know it until you said awful Christian music. Because yeah. I said there's um, good Christian music, but it's not. It's not that right.
2: <laughs> um, and I think it's it's also like those group of people who feel religiously oppressed in this time where like you would want to draw closer to your faith and feel like you can't gather your church or you can't whatever which all right that tension between like science saying keep your ass home and your faith telling you to gather and believe that god will protect you yeah you have faith I mean, this is kind of a tale
1: as old as time. George W. Bush was doing a lot of this evangelical telegraphing. You know, there there are a lot of Christian people in this country, and and it's a, a group that is easy for politicians to wrangle, right? Like, that's why we have culture wars, right? Like, what's the most important thing to you? God, you know? How can I twist that around so that you support my agenda? You know what I mean? It's, also, like,
2: making you feel like your values are under attack yeah, if you don't... Like you need us to protect you yeah. from the godless sodomites coming to yeah, perform well, abortions. Yeah, that's, what,
1: that's what family values was all about. You know, years and years ago, when you know, what was it? Dan Quayle was attacking Murphy Brown because Murphy she Brown for being a single be mom. A single mom. You know, like, just first of all, fictional character. You yeah. know, <laughs> let's get that horrifying
2: single motherhood. Yeah, like that's exactly um, exactly. Yeah, t- tale as old as I'm time. Prime time CBS really- in 1985.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's most interesting to me is that we're you know it's like oh this is unprecedented what's happening is unprecedented and in some ways like yeah that's true because of who the president is but if you really look at these tactics of division this is what what politicians have always done in this right. country right I mean whether it's about race that's why we had Jim Crow laws like oh how are we going to keep really really poor white people on our side we got to right. keep, keep poor white people from teaming up with poor black people otherwise they're going to figure out they got something in common and overthrow the rule class you know so let's invent racism basically (laughs) you know so that at least at least dirt poor white people can be better than somebody you know and that many of the fractured structures that we have that we kind of blame you know uneducated people for is just like a system of oppression that's been put down on them so that they can be used to do the bidding of the ruling class. It's dark, man. It's dark. We got dark today. (laughs) It's getting
0: darker. And for our very last clip, we have a crossover, really. We have the squad from Geek Force, our sister podcast, and Russell discuss, you know, the final, the final, the final last two weeks before the election and what, people are feeling like, are we feeling anxiety? Are we happy? Are we feeling determined? Like what's going on? What's going on? And, and, and I think, um, geek force and margin call really broke down all that in a very beautiful way. Let's key this up.
1: Voter suppression obviously has been a problem, you know, since America has existed. Sort of an American tradition right there. Yeah, right. I mean, we've, we've been at this for a long time, right? Voter suppression is not new, but it does feel a lot more out in the open than it used to in, in a lot of ways. I think in the way that you, know, when people talk about Donald Trump, like, oh, my God, he's such a racist. And people are like, well, you know, like this is a racist country. So we've always been racist. It's just he's just different because he just comes out and says it. Do you know right. what I mean? <laughs> so in some ways and a lot of people have said this, too, We're like, oh, like, I prefer when the snake is out of the grass. Like, I want to see it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to know where you stand. Like in, in some ways, this like good versus evil kind of like apocalyptic vibe that's looming over this election feels a little bit more like let's let it all out. Let's just right. let it all out. Like you're suppressing votes. People are pushing back against it. You know, like the idea that a polling place would look like people waiting for a concert is like actually kind of exciting to me. Do you know what I mean? Like even if the cause of it is like, oh, they're trying to suppress people's votes and we're in the midst of a pandemic and all these like really sad reasons. The fact that people like the reason lines at a concert are so long is because people love that artist. Like they want to see that show. You know what I mean? Like the reason people are sticking around in the line is like even though the system is doing everything they can to suppress voters, people are still like, no, I'm not leaving because this is, this thing is that important to me. And so I, you know, again, everybody knows I'm an optimist to the point of being naive. So I always like see silver linings, even, you know, in like very, very dark situations, maybe where I shouldn't, but that's my right. takeaway. It's just like, yeah, people are waiting for three hours. Yeah, there's a line around the block. Like when I was a kid, you only ever saw people like waiting in a line around the block when like a new Jordan came out. You know what I mean? It like, people, still happens. <laughs> I mean, it still happens. And there's nothing wrong with waiting in line for a right. new sneaker. But like you should also wait in line to vote. And it looks like both of those things are happening now. And, like that's like very comforting to me. This is um, very true. So I am curious, Marlon Raymond, like just, you know, off the top, I'll start with you, Marlon, just because you're I'm looking in my Zoom windows. This is what we do all the time now, look in our Zoom windows, your voting plan, your, you know, where are you in the process? How has it been to this point? Like what? How did
6: you approach this? I voted about a week ago. Uh, oh, actually, maybe more than that. I got it. Re- I got it like thinking like maybe in the first or second week of October. Like it was real. I got it real quick. And then uh, I sent it out immediately. I, the day I heard that when Corona hit, I knew it was going to change a lot of things. And so I knew that come election year, I would do, you know, vote by mail. So I made sure to register beforehand and my, my fiance did the exact same thing. So we, we got our mail in the our, got our mail in. I also like cat uh, hadn't looked up any of the local people in the area, but um, I'm a part of this like I'm a part of many Facebook groups and one of them has to do with like be, being Berkeley and being a person of color. And I guess there was a, a bunch of community leaders of the community came together and they like produced like a vote sheet of like, here's what you vote, vote black. And so I took that and I did my own, of course, my own extra work because now I have, I had the liberty of like sitting down at my kitchen table, opening up the ballot, looking at a name, searching the person's name in that moment, taking my sweet time and voting like that. But yeah, it definitely helped to have like a community of people with, you know, similar ideologies that produce for the community. Like, hey, spread this out. Here are some people that are not only, you know, community focused, but people focused and we're going to make sure that we get funded when we're supposed to get funded. So that was cool to have that. But yeah, I mean, I know that my mom... She also voted by mail early, but also there are a couple of folks, friends of mine who were like, I'd rather do it in person day of than like mail it in. Because, I mean, a lot of folks, you know, due to social media or do whatever, they're definitely a little apprehensive about, you know, mail in voting. So I have a lot of friends that are like, I'm going to wait until then and then I'll wear my mask. I'll take off work and I'll get the rule and I'll submit it. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think that those fears are legitimate. You know, I've I've talked on this show before about the primary election in New York, specifically in New York City, um, where a lot of those ballots were not counted. You know, a lot of the mail in ballots, you know, they have cutoff times. I mean, a lot of us learned this lesson in 2000. So I think a lot of people who are voting now, if you're like the right age, you remember what happened in 2000 and that that really was like a stolen election in a lot of ways. And the very deceitful slash clever ways that um, the evil empire found ways, to like, oh, this ballot doesn't count because this, like the piece of paper you punched out wasn't like punched hard enough. You know, like we, we everybody learned the phrases hanging. Chad you know like how can you interpret a voter's intent and then you know it goes all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is stacked with Republicans so you know what I mean like it was 2000 was terrible I'm not trying to be like old man on the porch You'd be like you don't know what it was like 20 years but like really really we got a very important lesson and we thought man this voting system in this country is messed up we got to do something about it and then we never did anything and now we're like back in the same situation which is a very classic American thing to be like hey we got to do something about this and then we don't do anything and then it happens again basically that's our whole history you know um so those concerns are real i'm glad to hear that you were one of those people that was like let me just get this out of the way right away as soon as possible uh, it sounds like you know in a lot of ways the best option but i also understand people that you're talking about who feel
6: like nah i gotta do it day of
5: Yeah, i think like the coolest thing about
6: that process is that um i know that if you While you were either pre-registering or looking at your registration, that I think was there was an option for them to alert you via email once your ballot had been deposited at the proper location. So, like a couple, I think maybe two weeks later, we got like an email saying, "Great." Um, Marlon, your ballot was submitted on time or submitted to the person and then my fiance got hers. saying, great, Camille, yours was received at this person at this time. So that's helpful, but I'm not sure if all states are offering, hey, we'll confirm with the polling place that your actual ballot made it there. Yeah. So I'm, I get like, I feel like, you know, we're a state that, you know, has the, capability to be like, we're going to have this automated, but if you're a state like Georgia, they're going to do all they can to keep it antiquated. So you'll probably mail it in and then you'll just, unless you're buying your own separate envelope and trying to mimic the location on the outside of it, you're not getting any confirmation. Yeah. I mean, that's a very important point, too. Just like every state
1: has its own flavor of like voter suppression slash encouragement. So, you know, anecdotally, here we are. We're like a bunch of California voters and a New York voter kind of like talking about our experiences. And like, you know, I have felt supported so far in my process. But, you know, each state government runs things its own way, and there are a lot of places in this country that are, you know, not on board. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like not doing everything they can to make sure everybody who wants to vote can vote. And there's a lot of dark histories there. But I think it is. I, I'm not alone in saying like it will be very important to pay attention to other states in the union that are not California, that are not New York, and find out what they're doing to either encourage or suppress people. And th- those are the kind of states where it's going to come down to it anyway. You know, I mean, I won't have give a whole speech about the electoral college and how, like, if you live in California, New York, it doesn't really matter because <laughs> California, society, New York, man. they're just gonna go for Biden anyway. You know, it's like, I'm not saying that to discourage anybody from voting because voting is important for all the reasons you guys have already listed, local elections, and just like, you know, doing your civic duty and, you know, having your voice be heard. Um, but there is that like last hangup where it's like, there are about like six states in this national election that are that are going to decide it probably just Pennsylvania and Florida. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you really Michigan will be really big, too. Yeah, yeah Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. Michigan might be learning its lesson, though, but we'll see. You, know, you never yeah. know. Who knows, man. Every time I say I think somebody learned their lesson then they kind of turn around and prove me wrong. <laughs>
6: so true. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so, uh, yeah, Raymond, same question, really. I'm just curious what the process was or is going to be like for you and your thoughts approaching this, what your voting plan is.
4: It's very privileged to live in California. When it comes to voting, um, but the um, I dropped off my ballot today um, at the thing. I like to uh, I like to do it. I think this is the second time I've dropped it off. I think the the last Clinton Trump election I just dropped it off at the ballot box on the day of because I'd like to I like to hand it in and like so I I feel more comfortable knowing it got there because I I put it in a little box at the voting place. Yeah. Um, I made sure to do it at least a little early this time, but the, yeah, I, I have family in Georgia and Florida and a lot of my family in Florida has already voted. Um, I, I'm actually not sure about my Georgia family, but I just know that it's just, they're going to str- struggle a little bit there, but the numbers are, are so close. I keep seeing polls that are like, it's completely even in Georgia and stuff right now. So that's kind of
1: revolutionary, isn't it? Like Georgia, really, we've always thought of as a red state that's voted Republican, no matter what, like the fact that it's even, even, doesn't
4: that – I mean, again, am I being – Yeah, gay? no, like it's that, big. That feels significant, yeah. It, it is – it's a change that has been coming for a long time, and I I still – me personally, I still feel like it's going to go – it's going to end up going red because of the people in charge in that state and the things we've seen them try to do for suppression over the past couple of years because um, yeah, the governor election. Centuries. Yeah, or centuries, but like the, <laughs> just, but even so recent as that governor election that there was a lot of suppression in. Um, so they, um, so I still feel like it's going to go red, but it's getting harder and harder for them to hold that up without cheating, because um, mm-hmm. Atlanta is just getting so big and has been so uh, democratic blue or whatever you want to call it for so long that blue, yeah, yeah, it's going to get it's going to get really hard for them to hold that back. Um, it's going to be Virginia before you know it. Uh, at least, what I'm hoping, uh, next 10 yeah. years
1: or so. It looks that way. I mean, I think it, particularly since like North Carolina has been in place since Obama's first election, you know what I mean? Like, I, You know, whatever. I'm from California, so I don't want to make any blanket statements about the South, but there's just like a long tradition of just like assuming like the South is just like, that's it. They're just red. We got to accept that reality and move on. So it's very exciting for me just to watch over the last 10 or 12 years, like how that map has been redrawn and just how it reflects how that region has changed. You know what I mean? Particularly because of what you're saying about Atlanta and who has become prominent and who now has a political voice who didn't Mm -hmm. used to. And is South Carolina
4: it, like is on this verge of like it almost seems like Lindsey Graham was about to lose this senate this senate election. He's um, getting worried. He's he's, he's, he's stressed, stressed. Confirmation hearing to complain stressed. about it. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been really he's been obviously stressed on TV. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and like yeah, we've we've talked. Maybe we haven't, but like uh, Virginia has just been Virginia is an entirely different state, mm-hmm. like uh, government official wise than it probably was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> Um, Because they, I think the Democratic Party holds every major, Mm. like, a government body In that state now So um, Yeah It's just crazy the, the Like you said The south is changing um, It'll be longer For Alabama Mississippi Louisiana Arkansas To see those changes But, <laughs> but At least Like the east side Of, of the south Is 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 transforming yeah. So Coastal south The coastal
1: yeah. south is, is having a moment Of transition yeah. It's also You know In terms of demographics Very interesting To think about You know Your point About Atlanta And how like Atlanta has gotten so big and so successful and it has become such a kind of special place in America in terms of what it what it is now and its growth because it suggests I mean it doesn't even suggest it it illustrates this idea that like it's kind of not really about like red states or blue states anymore it's about like urban areas and like suburban areas and rural areas which is a reframing you know like in 2004 it was just like red state blue state red state blue state you know and now it's so targeted that like you know Joe Biden is like, how can I appeal to like suburban women? Do you know what I mean? Like, because we know that cities are going to go blue. Rural areas, for the most part, are going to be Republican voters and like like suburban areas are kind of on the verge. And what happened in Virginia, I think, is due to like, you know, the D.C., Suburban land You know Like people who are Metropolitan Work in the city Highly educated You know Like have their own Political leanings Like that's a big part Of why Virginia Has changed too You know Again I'm not going to go off About the electoral college But like states Are very diverse places You know what I mean Like we think Oh California's so liberal California's a blue state It's like well you know You only have to drive A couple hours In any direction Before you like You do see a Trump sign Or like Mm. You know what I mean Like California And it'll be more than one too Yeah, Yeah Yeah Right, and people would be surprised to hear that, and be like, "No, all these states are that way." And I, w- I would say the same thing, even about these kind of deep South states, where you say, "Like, oh, Alabama, and like we just, oh, they're just always gonna be red." And be like, "Well, you know what? You go into the cities, like there are universities there, there are urban centers, there are like you know educated black voters, like there's just a lot of." other energies that we ignore because we think about elections in terms of states, you know, which is really so arbitrary, but we've kind of been conditioned to think about it that way. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about the Electoral College tonight, but the Electoral College is trash. Okay, fine. I'm going to say something else again, but that really is the problem here, man. Like, honestly, we've been saying it forever. Like, the Electoral College is trash. It's got to go. Um, And I don't know what's going to happen in this election, but I kind of think no matter what happens, it's going to be a very challenging time for us for everybody you know to really like we're forced to confront and reckon with our democracy and the weaknesses i would like to think that no matter what happens it will force us to reckon with the electoral college and then that's the last thing for now i'm going to say about the electoral college yeah i do it's want
4: a I, oh, go, oh, ahead. No, go ahead i just it, it it's going to be scary out of just uh the viewpoint of the electoral college of just it, it, it is it leaves this opportunity open for um, so many weird things that happen once we hit these next couple of weeks um, after the election it ends. Um, I was listening to uh, um, some information recently on like a whole what if scenario that this um, this uh, group did with like. Uh, people from from both sides where they like played a game to like what if the election was like ends up like this? What would either side do? And it's just it's wild what kind of possibilities are going to exist out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like, a, like somebody needs to do a choose your own adventure kind of flow chart about like, you know, if Biden wins the popular vote, but Trump wins the electoral card, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. then it will go to this circuit court, you know, and yes, then there, yeah, there yeah. will be a and That's kind of what they
4: were doing. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah they uh, they had the, they had the riots factored in they had electro yeah. they had uh what's the when they call it when uh the people that go the electorates go and they don't vote for the person that quote unquote, they were supposed oh, yeah, to vote yeah, yeah, for. Yeah. I can't think of the term to call uh, them right now, but the, they were like, what if this happens in that amount of States? And uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's the other thing. And here I am talking about the electoral college again. Yeah,
1: just, sorry. That was my fault. It. No, no, no. It's not your fault. I'm so glad you did it. Cause now I have an excuse to say what I really want to say, which is like the fundamental flaw is like those electoral votes what's coded in our language in our founding documents is like they can vote for whoever they want you know what i mean like they're kind of supposed to just do what the people said that they should do but if it really gets down to it you know what i mean like they are just individuals who can change that electoral vote which conceptually just seems you know i think initially as a foundational document was like oh yeah like like Democracy is great, but mob rule is like a little scary. Right. So like, what if everybody in the whole country was like, yeah, we got to be a fascist country, you know, like, and whatever, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's not going to happen. But I think the thinking was like, oh, we need the electoral college because we need like somebody or some people in the way of like how democracy could end up being mob rule, but that just doesn't really happen that way. And all it really means is that there's a fail safe. If you really want to fix the system, there's one final thing you could do where like, even after everybody in America votes for the other guy, you could still be like, ah, nah, we're still, we're going to go the other way. You know what I mean? Like we did everything we could to suppress voting. It didn't work. So we're just going to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that's wrong with the Electoral <laughs> College. Um, Kat, I want to come to you. This is actually something that um, Raymond suggested. I think I think it's maybe the second most important thing to talk about, but I I wanna start with you because I'm curious to hear your thoughts. The way that Raymond phrased it is, you know, it's, it'll be important for us to talk about how this election is predicted to take some time to be decided. Right. Like we've all kind of accepted that we're not going to know who the new president is before we go to bed. on Tuesday. Right. You know what I mean? Which right. is a weird thing for all of us to accept anyway. Like, why? Why have we all just been like, well, I guess we're just not going to know this time. Like, first of all, how did we reach that level of complacency? Right. And then second of all, you know how both sides are going to spin it. You know, and to what extent are they already preparing, you know, their talking points about how and why this election is going to be decided by courts or whatever. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm curious. It's a very open ended question, obviously, Kat, but I am curious Like to hear your thoughts about like what does that mean, first of all, to be voting in an election where you're like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to know. You know what I mean? Like, that's just right. that's a bizarre concept to me.
5: Well, it kind of reminded me, like, I mean, I was a child at the 2000 uh, election, Um, but it kind of reminded me of that because wasn't that the election or the bone before where people didn't know who was really the president until, you know, Florida? Yeah, that was 2000. That was 2000. And so no one knew, but they said it was Bush, you know?
1: Yeah, they called it for Bush. Well, you know, Gore even gave a concession speech that, that. Right. No, like, and then people said that was his biggest mistake. Like if he had just not given a concession,
5: not give it up,
1: it would have been a lot. You know, and I was like, that's a terrible (laughs) lesson to learn. But, you know, it was also like it was the network's fault. Also that year, because they just start. It's like a horse they race. The Jump yeah, the gun, yeah. They definitely jumped the gun. Like, oh, Florida's going for Trump. You know mean? Trump, <laughs> the last guy. <laughs> like, Florida's, Florida's going. going Florida. Florida's going for Bush. And then everybody was like, "Damn it!" And they turned off their TVs because they just trusted CNN to be like, "Well, right. CNN said it. It must be true."
5: It was a simple time. It was a simple it, time. It, it was a
1: simple time. So yeah, I mean, I guess that premise. That's all. Like, even though that was twenty years ago, I think it is hopefully fresh in a lot of people's minds. Like, first of all, you know, networks don't be premature about it, but yeah, we've been through this before, you know, do you have, like, what do you think happens next? Right? Like everybody goes to vote, everything's great. And then what do you think is going to happen Tuesday night before you go to bed? So
5: this is, this scares me because, you know, four years ago, we didn't take Trump seriously and, um, you know, we were like, oh, you know, Hillary's going to get it. Oh, The whole phrase was, I guess, girl, I guess, you know, she gonna get it. <laughs> and so I was like, I remember being up with my friends watching the election results. You know, we're drinking, getting drunk. Like, yeah, we're just pre-celebrating. And the minute I want to say it was like after midnight, our time, because I think that was the time when they were like, OK, most of the votes are in. And they were like, Donald Trump is the predicted award. I, I kid you not. I got sober in five seconds. I was like, no, they're lying. They're lying. We were screaming through voice chat like, nah, nah, they're lying. And they're like, don't And then this is when I lived like in downtown Oakland. So I already started hearing like the noise of chaos. It just was quiet. And then it was just like like gunshots and, and and fireworks and and looting and and helicopters all within the next 10 minutes after announcing that like i will never forget that and i was like nah they're lying they're lying we'll find out maybe by tomorrow or in a few weeks you know but it was true yeah. well true True. You know? well, unquote, true. uh yeah. and so i'm just nervous like you know I do like to pick on these people in our government, how they, you know, yeah, they make more money than us and they make big decisions, but they're not really that smart, you know? So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if it was similar like that, if it had to go. Cause I mean, there's two ways. And if that was the way it would go exactly like that, where it's like, it looks like Biden's in the lead but Oh, but Trump took it. I'll be like, Oh my gosh, you know, but I'd be like, I knew it because.
1: But I'm is not. that like? Do you think that's an answer? No matter no matter which answer that we're going to get Tuesday night, or <sighs> Wednesday, or Thursday, or so like, yeah, in if November, like, it's, if Thanksgiving.
5: One, it'd be like a woo. And then I could be yeah. like, I can sleep. I could sleep a little bit easier, but then it's whatever, you know, starting next year, whatever that looks like, you know, then I would be worried. Now, this is something I would be concerned if Trump does lose you know, I would be worried in what he has in store for the month of December up till the day he has to, you know, get out of the White House. Cause then he, yeah. he, cause it reminds me of, it's the opposite of what Obama did when Obama was like, damn, I gotta sign the keys over to this dude.
3: Yeah. Let me
5: do all this good shit before I leave. You know, he yeah. did so much like really just great things within that last month. And then within Trump's first month, he undid all that. So I was just like, it is interesting that, you know, we all know how Trump is. We know how he's a sore loser. We know how he's very immature. I would be concerned if, yay, uh, the blue side won, but the month of December, oh my gosh, it's going to be a mess of what he is going to try to set up for his opponent to like undo. Cause that's just, he's messy like that. He, I mean, he was in reality. Uh, TV yeah. forever. So that's something I can see him doing and I am nervous that that would affect us and people that we care about a lot, you know?
1: Yeah.
5: But, it's uh, a good yeah. Point. It
1: actually makes me think, you know, up until this point, I've been like, oh God, I'm not going to be able to go through a whole month of November, a whole month of December not knowing and all that you know, drama that happens in the court and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, maybe that'd be better because Trump will be so busy trying to fight, fight that fight that he won't have time to do anything before he gets out of there. <laughs> you know what I mean, right. like, it's like finally, like, let that fight, drag that fight out until Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? And then finally, be like, all right, okay, it's Biden. And then Trump only has a week to just like, you know what I mean? And he's so disorganized. He probably didn't have a list of things he wants to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. just be calling his friends, like, hey, Steve Bannon, like, what should I? What's the crazy racist, most racist thing I could do before I leave? And then right. like do that. But the other comforting thing in terms of transition of power, and I, you know, I thought this about. Obama, like when Obama was in office, he did a lot of very good things. But you know, he didn't have like friendly Congress. So he couldn't really get a lot of things passed like Affordable Care Act is probably like the only thing that he actually legitimately passed through Congress. Everything else that people really liked that he did was an executive order. Mm -hmm. You know, and executive orders don't really stand. Once you're gone, you know, the next president can undo it. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why our head was spinning when Trump came in. We're like, oh, Trump is so evil. And it's like, yeah, Trump's evil. But the only reason he was able to undo all that stuff is because Obama did it as executive orders in the first place. And that's not really a criticism of Obama. I think he was just like, Man, I I guess this is all I got left. But it also is very comfortable for me because so much of what Trump did was just an executive order. And whoever gets in there next is gonna be like, man, guy was crazy and it'll be a lot easier for him to kind of wash him for us to wash him out of our hair. Do you know what I mean? Cause he didn't really, he didn't really do anything like, I'm not trying to have a whole conversation about like, you know, Trump's presidency, blah, 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 for all we know, he's going to have another four years, you know, but like, like, he's so disorganized and just never really learned how to use Congress or actually like do anything meaningful that he like, he cut taxes, you know, He, he got some Supreme Court picks, that's obviously those things are very problematic, but like, in terms of like a lasting legacy, it's just gonna be like, man, that guy was just like a terrible, awful racist that made us all fight for four years, and like, let's just Forget about it and move on. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is the lasting legacy of a Trump? <laughs> yeah,
4: I, I hope <laughs> I hope it isn't his asylum <laughs> practices
5: or his or <laughs> yeah. the COVID nineteen. How he didn't do nothing. That's going to yeah. be a legacy with him for the rest of his. That that's going to be in on. textbooks.
4: Yeah. I just I just hope his everything that his administration has done to really reduce asylum and make make all the asylum practices of the Southern border really bad. I hope that isn't a lasting legacy either. Right. Uh, nice. like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, also here, I'm going to be controversial real quick and just say like, yeah, dude, Trump's immigration policies are atrocious, but, you know, like Democrats have kind of been doing that for a long time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like Obama was a really, really unfriendly to immigrants. We don't really talk about that very often. But no, like those true. are policies that they put in place. They're very similar to the way that we go after Democrats for like, oh, my God, you guys fully enabled mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Like Biden did it. Clinton did it. Um, you know, it's like that's kind of true for Democrats in terms of immigration, too, because they're so like afraid of being like appearing as soft. They're like, ooh, I got to be even tougher than Republicans on immigration. Yeah. Right. Like, or they do, do
5: it undercover Yeah or they do it Obama did it way. undercover a lot he and it's was like eh, I see you I yeah, see we, we,
1: we really let him slide on that man And I, and I kind of feel bad about it Because all of a sudden Everybody's like Yo immigration is like A serious problem They're like putting people in cages And they're like Raiding right. homes and businesses And I was like Drones bro, this,
4: I was like This was going on for eight years And we didn't really say anything My my analogy though Is Obama was cutting at our arm With a butter knife And Trump has yeah. been cutting At our arm with a butcher knife When it comes yeah. to that though Like it yeah. has been It has certainly been worse But
6: Or we can use that Original snake reference A snake in the grass Or a snake out in the open <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's like true. It, it has certainly been worse but I, yes, you're right. It did it, it's something that Biden has to he's been saying big things about how he's going to change that and do that better than when he was vice president under Obama but he has to do it also if he gets into the office.
3: All right.
6: Well, well, it's like all the things he's like projected Mostly all of his party Can agree with him If they get the majority They can push you Like his environmental thing But if you think about it He's pushing the environmental thing Potentially his health plan And potentially um, Like some other nonsense That all people know He can get us back into Like he can get us back Into the Paris Accord He can get us back into Yeah the- you know, really good at being NATO, but all those things existed prior to Trump anyway. Right. So what he's promising is I'll change two things and then everything else will be back to normal. Yeah, status quo and like what's normal?
1: Normal is the status quo. Normal is what we were complaining about four years ago anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing really that's changed to me that I'm like a little optimistic about, and this is where we have to give Trump credit, is like he made people so upset and activated like the political minds of so many people that, so many so many more of us are paying attention and asking for real solutions than we were before that. Like, it's very easy to kind of go to sleep in the Obama years and be like, oh, you know what? I like this guy. Like, I trust him. Like, let him do whatever he wants, kind of, you know? And it is to have to deal yeah. with someone who's like an actual monster and then say like, well, if I don't believe in him, what do I believe in? I believe in reforming the immigration system. I believe in, you know, like fighting against climate change in a meaningful way on a government level. Like, I believe in healthcare for all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in some ways... Like Trump kind of lit a fire under people who like identify as like left or liberal so that whoever comes in next, if they are a Democratic president, like they have the like a political will to answer to because we weren't really asking for anything from Obama. We were just like, hey, will you be president? You know what I mean? Like, that's all we asked him to do. Will you be president and, like, not start another war in the Middle East for no reason? Like, that was the only things that we asked of Obama. But like up against McCain that first time,
4: right? Yep.
3: And Sarah Palin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Palin. She seems so, like, such not a threat now. You know what I mean? Like, it's the time, like, Palin was like, oh my God. Have you looked at the past Republican people
5: and (laughs) compared them to Trump and be like, man, (laughs) they weren't so bad after all compared to this dude. I thought that ever, about like, a lot
1: of people, but the one okay. person I didn't think that about was George W. Bush. Every time people are like, That's oh him. man, George W. Bush doesn't look too bad. I was like, nah man, George W. Bush was worse because he was organized. Yeah.
6: You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, uh, he wasn't organized. He had yeah. Cheney telling Cheney. him like, all right, you gotta do go
1: this yes. now. Cheney's like, okay,
5: crazy.
6: His how administration, is, I say, his how
1: administration you? was organized. He was like, hey, we've been working in a think tank for the last 60 years about a project for a new American century. All you gotta do is invade a bunch of countries in the Middle East, You know, create a Surveillance state while everybody's looking the other way, um, and then we'll be good. And then he did it. You know what I mean? Like Trump could never do a plan like that. No, his yeah. administration could yeah. never. He doesn't even. Everybody's leaving his White House every other week, <laughs> so he doesn't even have the same people in there. All the smart people, even the conservatives, like, yo, we're just gonna wait for the next guy. We're just gonna go back and make our, our smart plan about taking over the world and killing brown people all over the planet, and we'll that's just true. save it for the next Republican president. Who's with <laughs> well, that's true?
6: Bush had a Bush had actual professionals at their job. Killers. And his, and his cabinet. It's a great, like Colin Powell, you were in the military, you got an extensive record, you were a four star general. Yeah. You're going to be on, on, on this defense board. Kind of like Rice, right? Like, like a, damn, a damn evil genius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a reality TV show on it. And the shoes on TV. But no, I think it's amazing the fact that, um, you know, I like get Bush as dumb as he was, he was his party made sure that he was tapped to pick the best people. Yeah. To like, you know, not implode with the country. Yeah. And I feel like looking at Trump it mm-hmm. looks like Trump was like, I like them. I like them too. And it's like, great. What are you good at? Oh, you're a doctor. You're going to be in charge of housing. Uh, what <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> he doesn't know anything about this. Why? Why is yeah. Dr. Ben Carson? Yeah ahead
4: of us. He's, I'm surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised he's held a he's, job this long in that, in it's that administration. So that, take
6: it's like, did he ever express while he was doing surgery on someone? You know what I really love? talking about housing it's fantastic housing. you know got a real like brand. how did you get this man yeah. like also then you also he has like Betsy DeVos he has people that either he knows or people that he owes money to or that he hangs Jeez. out with Yeah. so like, like all people mm-hmm. are just are, are a reflection of him someone who's ill-prepared and ill-equipped to handle the job that they've gotten but they've either failed up nepotism whiteness or they're just tagging along yeah they like, just they're, they're literally tagging the right along. at the right
1: time you know or exactly. like, you know, or, or you just like you were one of the first people to endorse him. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's our, we had, you know, he who shall not be named Mr. Sessions uh, was just like he just happened to be like the guy who was crazy enough to be like, you know what? I like Donald Trump. And then Trump was like, hey, you know what? I I, I remember people who <laughs> stuck up for me early on. And then You're going to be the attorney
6: general. And, and then, then he, he was like to tear that man apart. Of course like he he was his like of course. worst friend. Of course he like, did. What is this? <laughs> Y'all were hugging each other and being all night. So now it's like, he's ill-equipped for the job and an idiot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: loyalty is the president's number one requirement in everyone around him. And he's never exhibited loyalty to anyone else.
5: (laughs) Madness. That's literally madness.
1: Um, So I do, you know, Raymond, you had another good point in here just about the explosion of voter registration and like all these numbers about early turnout. You know, when you sent this message, a lot of things have changed because people started voting and there are crazy numbers. Um, but, I, you know, I'm curious, like, what does that mean? Is this a thing? Is that a sign that we should be really excited because a lot of people have become politicized by this Trump administration, which was kind of my argument, or like, you know, I, should we just be happy and not ask any questions about it? Like, what is the significance? I'll, I'll put it to you first, Raymond, because it was your question, but I am like very curious. Like, what is our takeaway from that? Like, everybody's trying to vote. Is that just because we all have a common enemy or not we all, but many, many, many people in this country have a common enemy? It's can-
4: a, it's at least part Partially that. Um, and I want to say it's completely that because even um, I, obviously this group is at the moment a more like liberal bunch of people having a conversation about this size at least in this conversation today, this year in this political election. And like, um But I would argue that the people on the other side of the line are the are feeling the exact same way. Like they feel so uh, challenged or attacked or or like are just behind their guy so much that like they we don't know if the voter registration numbers are like. All because everyone's trying to gather up against Trump, or or maybe it's fifty fifty, and and everyone's trying to gather up against Trump, and everyone's trying to gather up to back them up. Um, it really leads me to my thoughts on like it 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 goes back it goes to my thoughts of like what we're gonna see in the first week after this election, and like mm-hmm. I feel like there's I feel like I feel like there's there's the most the most Logical place that we're going to end up in the first week is just this muddled gray. We don't know who won like 12 of the 50 states. And it's which is going to be huge to like sit and wait and see um, while all the people coming in that night that it's easier to count. It are probably every all the political scientists are saying that's going to go red because it always goes red, which is going to lead the Trump clan to start saying, well, you know, that was the, that's what matters. And all these other votes coming in are, are like fraudulent votes. Yada, yada, yada. And like, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a bloodbath. I think, there's a chance that one side, because of all these voter registration numbers and all these early voting, they can count a little bit faster. And one side feels like one's going to be winning over the other a little bit stronger. But I still feel like no matter which side that ends up being, there's going to be enough confusion in enough states where it's just going to come down to like, like, just... Who's the judge, right? Who's the, like, who's yeah, the judge Who makes that the state. call? Yeah. yeah. unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so... But it's not going to go to Supreme Court right away. Like it's going to come All down right. to, to like it's going to come down to local local courts oh, no. and like um, uh, recounts and like.
6: But most of them Trump put in Trump appointed them. Though.
4: Yeah. Also, yeah. no, you're 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 correct about some of that. Are they to? Yeah, they can just kind of throw out votes where they want to here and there, and like There's they have tried challenges. to put in some legislation to like defend some of those things but Mm -hmm. and even if it gets that far then you know you still you got big boy college coming in where people can just do what they want to do at the end of the day so um it's a. It's going to be really close. It's going to be. It's not going to be. I. I hope your optimism comes through uh, on this one because I feel like we're going to see a really like we're going to have a really hard pessimistic time for like two weeks at November and maybe longer. Um, yeah. And I really hope I'm wrong in that statement and we can come back after a couple of weeks and be like, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. Like that's I. I please let me be wrong. But it just yeah. it feels like it's going to be. Be so confusing of a time. Um,
1: I almost feel like irrelevant, like let's let's say the numbers, right? Like let, let's just say the numbers are overwhelming. Let's say Biden landslide, right? Like Biden was Georgia, Biden was everything. This guy, like Trump doesn't go down easy in anything. Like the the facts are are irrelevant to that person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the closer the election, like the worse it'll be. Correct. Uh, and, but there's no such thing as a guaranteed win. Even if he won every single, even if Biden won every single there's a there's at
4: least he has going for him that if he wins enough, if he wins in a landslide, quote unquote, um, yeah, he's gonna fight tooth and nail and go down, go down crying like the child that he likes to pretend to be most of the time. But he, there's at least biden will have the numbers on his side where like that should be an easier fight um yeah. then and honestly it's the same goes for if trump is it comes out with that much of a landslide quote unquote um is it like it'll just be easier for the trump team to spin that in the right direction um yeah. then then it will be if it's really close Well that was the problem With Bush v.
1: Gore Is that it really was that close Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean Like there It wasn't just like We're going to hijack The democratic process Like they did all their work You know To suppress voters And it worked So it made it A razor thin uh, Election And And it's
4: honestly been Like the past Like 30 years of elections Have just been that close On like Like there's been A few outliers That have been really strong In one direction Like one of the Obama wins was Yeah Mitt Romney Mitt 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 Romney did not do very well Mitt Romney no. kinda, he got worked <laughs> right and like I think the second Bush Bush carry I think was pretty heavy in Bush's favor yeah um, if I remember correctly but yeah. a lot of the rest of the elections in that time period have just all been incredibly close if not the popular vote conflicts with the electoral college and so which it,
1: it will no matter what it has historically what Cat,
3: right? yeah.
5: that just reminds me of a lot of articles coming out saying that how trump is going to act if he doesn't win i'm sure you guys have seen those headlines
4: I've seen, yeah. i, feel, I feel yeah. like i've read his words and known and oh, i can yeah. see how like yeah. he's literally yeah. 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 like
5: i'm <laughs> not gonna accept it like he said that and so
3: be too-
6: he says right. two options either i win or there's voter no fraud Right, <laughs> those are the only two options. The only two it is on that because that could possibly explain when has happened.
5: And uh, I'm just added on to Ray's sad but very potential uh, theory that could yeah, be I happening. Mean, that's the X
1: factor, you know, like even in Bush v. Gore, like. <laughs> You know George Bush, both of them, they were very civil. Do you know what I mean? Like Bush wasn't coming out and being like, you know, Gore is a criminal, and you know this was stolen. You know he was he was a dummy. So somebody just wrote him a very smart speech where he was like, well, you know, we have to let the the system play out, and and we'll see where this goes. And I'm happy to accept the results, knowing damn well it was going to be fixed in his favor. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but this dude doesn't want to do that kind of messaging. He's not content to just let the system be corrupt. He has to also just be like dancing on the grave of a son of a
4: bitch like every every second of the day do you know what i mean yeah so and it's that level of unpleasantness that's the scary part i yeah. you were cat you were talking about living in downtown oakland last year for this that's where i am literally right now so like Ugh. it's it's just it's gonna get nasty out there it's not gonna hopefully it doesn't get nastier than back in
5: 2016 uh,
4: or <laughs> or um, when was george floyd was that um June that was that a few May. months ago. No, That was, no, yeah, no, it was like years, to, into, but that was months into ago. End of May, June. Like, it was, yeah. pretty, it was, it was, yeah. I know, I'm yeah. curious uh, if we had compared those time periods, if they were, yeah, it was, it similar. probably is very similar. So, hopefully, it doesn't well, get that. I am better. very interested. I did <laughs> want to talk about, like, what kind of
1: civil unrest we can expect. Like, again, I'm not a doomsday person but I am like curious to think about what people's responses <laughs> I mean, are going to look like. I'm I'm to even have that worst thing possible. I
5: mean, Let's go. Like, okay.
1: I'm going to start with something that's not the worst thing possible, which is okay. just a little thought exercise. Um, which is something my brother told me because my brother lives in LA and he's like, he's always said like, God, I hope the Lakers don't win a championship this year. I was like, Oh, you don't like the Lakers. He's like, I don't care about the Lakers. He's just like, it's like people riot more when they win than when they lose, you know what I mean? Like, like in the so like sports, in, in, in the sports context, that's yeah, true. Anytime, like, yeah. like you know, and and sports and politics. Are a lot <laughs> Austin of would accurate. agree with you too. Yeah. Austin, <laughs> like When your team loses, when your team loses, you just you just depressed. You get drunk. You go to sleep. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> when your team wins, you just get this surge of adrenaline. You so it's like no matter who it is, I'm kind of thinking about Oakland. I'm saying like, okay, fine. Here's my you know scenario where. Biden wins all 50 states, right? I'm like... Is, is every city in America just going to turn into like the Lakers just won the championship and people are setting bonfires in the street
4: and like yeah like that fool is whack he's out of here like
5: they probably will yeah
4: that will be unity at least it would be yes it would be a
5: great, <laughs> the beacons you I mean, the beacons I think it,
6: uh, I think the it beacons definitely, on this
3: because
6: on <laughs> if they deliver the news at night and it's like jets that news I think there's going to be too many actual Oakland natives celebrating right. uh, that there are going to be Oakland rioters because I feel like it's always feel like some kind of like uh, you know fringe group, but I feel like Oakland has had a project that's like begun and ended peacefully. So I like think it was just, <laughs> one of those <laughs> things where the it's local like, people, yeah. Also, like like if it's like true Oakland natives in celebration, it's just going to be folks getting drunk together in, in the, the street. It's going to remind me of being like down. Urban street in New Orleans, yeah. people are going to be <laughs> hand in hand, yeah. like we did it. Like this is <laughs> over, and they're going to get drunk and they're going to go to bed. Please However, that song, exactly. However, if it goes the other way, I definitely do see potentially Oakland being like one of the beginning spots of just (laughs) public dissidents and then also probably for the next following week uh, Uh, or so there's going to be a lot of people I'm sure D.C. is going to be on lockdown Why? so so that's
1: like kind of the pleasant scenario but like there is a group of people we're forgetting you know and as we again it feels like a hundred years ago but you know as the George Floyd protests were kind of reaching their third act you know a month or two ago, there was this really bizarre and horrible phenomenon of kind of like alt-righty people going to protests to initiate violence with people right there, like shooting paintballs at people on the street. Like a lot of this mm-hmm. was happening in Portland. We saw it in other American cities. And I wonder like... If, uh, you know, if there If it is a contested election or Trump Loses, does that mean that it, you know as, as Trump said at the debate, he was telling His boys, like, be on hold, like, you know Like, didn't he say that? Wasn't that his message? To white stand supremacy? by and stand, stand back Yeah, yeah stand by, it's like, oh, we don't need stand you down, yet Right, and he's like, he's like, we don't need you yet Basically is what he's saying, like, you guys, for now Just chill out, like, we're really gonna need you On election day, you know, which is The message that I kind of got from that And, mm. again, I don't want to be a Doomsday person, but I wonder, like, is that really is that me being paranoid like do should we expect some kind of like bizarre alt-right like blowback violence like acts you know is it if, paranoid to expect it or are we just preparing ourselves for something I feel like, like in, in happen-
6: more split communities like if it's like, a, like a, an even split white black they'll they'll Definitely flex a lot. And I feel like if this place is like, you know, Staten Island or wherever where, you know, these people can, you know, meet in a crowd and feel safe to do so, there's definitely going to be like some spur of the moment, um, rallies um what i'm mostly worried about is like are we going to see in those both places those locations if he loses something that something that's like tulsa-esque where you have folks just like white folks running down the street just attacking any and everybody because they're upset
2: Mm -hmm.
6: you know and i'm worried that we've got to that point now to where like you have a man that people are like so fervently behind and he's told them if I lose they cheated and they stole a selection from you you know I mean I I think a while back I wanted to see like what kind of like mindset folks are in so like I registered my email address to like get these Trump emails and like every single he like also emails people like five times a day in a different like you know message around usually it's two two of the emails are about like getting money both three of them are like delivering messages to you about like how like the democrats are stealing this election from us like if i win like you should know that you as a you as a proud american had your civil rights taken from you and they put someone else in, like literally yeah. he's sending these emails to people yeah. and painting this picture in their head like if something were to happen and you lose me like someone did this to you and they're a Democrat and and people already associate, you know, being Black and being Democrat so can already see them be like, great, like, you know, this happened and the Proud Boys start sharing, like, yo, we're going to tear up this city, we're going to do such such an activity and you got folks just, Going up and down the street, just breaking windows and hurting people just to be hurting people. Yeah. I mean, your
1: point about like divided communities, right? Like there's kind of like more room in a state that is more split politically for that kind of conflict. But, and I used to think that too, but I, and and maybe, maybe that's that, maybe that's the case, but what I was struck by was what was happening in Portland, right? Like Portland is a very, it's very white, but it's very, very liberal, right? Like mm-hmm. intensely, that's like at the core of their identity. That is like a liberal city, you know? Um, but people were traveling from like rural parts of the state well outside of Oregon. Alt-right identified Trump supporters would like mm. drive for hours in pickup trucks. They were like commuting in order to create, you know, like create chaos in communities, which was the first, you know, time I thought it. You know, that happened in Kenosha too. That guy drove all yeah, the way yep. from Illinois to, Kyle. to shoot people up. Um, you know, so it's like people are Uh, A lot of people in this country are unwell, just like any place in any society And, and all of our like, you know, anxieties or all of our like kind of mental illness or social frustrations or whatever now have just been completely trained on this political conflict and the way that we've been polarized. And that kind of added A different dimension for me Where it's like It's very different to just be like Let's say a city like Atlanta that's a, that's a diverse place, right? A lot of black people There's a lot of white people There's a lot of, you know Democrats, a lot of Republicans Like that's the kind of place You would imagine Conflicts like this Might take place, unfortunately But this is a different thing If people are willing to like Travel, quote unquote In order to wreak havoc That that feels a lot more like a, Like a civil war Do you know what I mean?
5: Definitely <laughs> I during COVID Like they yeah. don't care
2: Yeah,
4: I just feel like We've become so complacent as Americans that I feel like it's going to – it'll happen in places, and I don't feel like it'll be widespread.
3: Like,
4: I think there'll be some bad places where maybe something will go down if things – if they it, it's Murphy's law if something can happen it will happen but like mm-hmm. the I just feel like Americans are so lazy and like they just want to sit around and ang- be angry on online and like, <laughs> yeah. like there's it. like I just feel like we've be, just become so so complacent that I God, I hope you're right man I, I, uh, I, all yeah. of us though yeah.
6: you got yeah. folks yeah. who ain't got no job going to shit yeah. right, and right. That's that's right. No, you, you're right you're, you're right, you're
4: right. It's, you are correct they yeah. got they got whole there's places in the south and some some rural areas areas in the rest of the country where they just have whole like obstacle courses that they've been training on for years now and yeah no you're right it's a a, a scary thing
0: I uh,
1: there are a lot of things on the table that just kind of have never been on the table before like I'm not saying these things are going to happen but you know four years ago eight years ago 20 years ago like there was never a question like oh do you think that violent people are going to drive several hours in order to like cause violence violence. you know what I mean like and I, I wouldn't Even imagined that I wouldn't have even dreamt it up, and now it's like, oh, that's something I kind of have to ask myself like, do I think that's going to happen? It's possible, um, yes, these
6: Trump caravans they just be driving together to locations just to you know do what they do yeah and then it's never a prius
1: in that caravan you know what i mean yeah. it's always just a really big truck on on high suspension right. i you know i guess that's a different conversation running for another people over <laughs> running
5: people. i mean that's a typical uh, southern vehicle they're just passing that on to the other people in the country like that's <laughs> i grew up with, i grew up with those vehicles, and. Yeah.
1: I actually like big pickup trucks and I think it's a damn shame that they're so often associated now with like people whose politics are like at the very best questionable <laughs>
0: like, I mean,
1: it, it's probably just because like you know like a lot of my family is Mexican and there's like a very like Mexican affinity for like the big pickup truck is like I made it look at my big pickup truck you know and now I'm like no you guys don't get to have both. Like, <laughs> those pickup trucks are for everybody you know what I mean yeah. like
4: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of southern roots out here in California too just in general that I I have brought all of that All of that mindset out with it So No, that's true get out the door
5: going (sniffs) Boy And I'm like "Ah," Triggered (laughs) You know Yeah Uh,
1: Yeah (laughs) Well, so So now that we've Successfully navigated The doomsday portion Of our show (laughs) I do want to end The show with something That I think is like Positive, funny, interesting And is about the future Okay, this is not about The election It's just about The political world That we live in And it's about AOC going on Twitch to play among us and like breaking all the like streaming records. Um, I, there are many different ways to frame it. Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll just put it this way. Like it, regardless of what, you, what anybody thinks about AOC's politics or whatever, it is very interesting to see like a young, politician who is kind of like finding new ways to connect with voters. Like in a lot of ways it reminded me of like Travis Scott doing a concert on Fortnite where I was like, man, that guy's a genius. Like in the middle of COVID, all these musicians are like, damn, we can't do concerts. And then Travis Scott was like, yeah, I can and then went on Fortnite. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like people who are visionaries excite me and they intrigue me and I don't even really go on Twitch and I don't even I don't even play Fortnite, but I just know that that's such a big part of our culture, especially for young people. And like, regardless, even if it's like corny, even if it's like, you know, they had a, a focus group and they were like, Hey, you know, AOC people really like Twitch. Why don't you go on there? Like, even if, it, even if the origins of it were like some cynical thing for her to reach out to voters or whatever, I still just kind of love it. And I'm excited by it. But that said, I'm not a gamer, right? Really? I mean, you know, whatever. I play video games, but I'm not a gamer, you know? And I know that we are here with the force today. The geek force is strong in this room. You guys are gamers you have your headsets on yes so i'm just very curious like as a group of people who like are true gamers like how did that moment land did it feel like oh this is the future and like aoc is so tight and we need more young people in politics and this is how you reach out to people or were you like this is corny and she's very bad at that game like what what was your takeaway i'll start with you you. i'm gonna
5: no i'm gonna give it to ray because he was the one in our group that told us first because i remember i freak the freak out like what She's a, she signed up on Twitch. You know, I follow yeah, that. I came, I came
4: into uh, the squad group with the uh, twitch.tv slash AOC as my name uh, that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I
0: remember that. I and yeah. I was like, why is that your name? And you were
4: like,
5: you didn't hear it. And I was like,
4: wait, AOC. what? Um, yeah, no, I, I there was a lot of people that there's a ton of people in my sphere that were watching it. Um, we were like in little chat rooms making comments about what was going on. And uh, you could watch all the YouTubers on multi-stream and like see all of them. Uh, Shout out to Ilha ilhan omar did i say her name right she was there too Um, representative go ahead girl yeah, yeah so it was really it was nice that uh it was a nice thing they were it was i think the funniest part to me just watching it was that all the youtubers um because they're gamers and maybe i'm stereotyping stereotypical stereotyping nope, I, right, I don't know right. what that word is <laughs> um, Stereotyping There it is yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe I'm stereotyping Gamers But I feel like They are since they're, Because they're younger There's a lot more Liberal ones But it was just funny That they were all Like really afraid uh, Among Us is a game Where you have to Kill each other and lie um, So they were all Really afraid to kill The representatives In the game Like the first Like <laughs> half an hour 45 minutes of playing, They were just like No we can't do that And it was a really Funny time where it was Actually both the Representatives that were the, the people that were supposed to lie and kill everyone. And that game was the funniest one to me because they are just... AOC was afraid to kill anybody and <laughs> Yohan was going around just killing everybody. Yohan was <laughs> <merciful>. and <laughs> and So it was just... It was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Um, I think um, you're right. It's a new. It, it's it's positive for finding new ways to reach out. And, and I... Had, Interact with the people. Good uh-huh. to hear. I was afraid you were going to pop in and be
1: like, "She's not even good at it. She's an outsider." I you mean, know? <laughs> she was clearly she good games at the before. Game. She does
5: little she, she she she, it's she games.
6: Game got to get used yeah. to, especially yeah. if you got to like you got the little card swipe thing is a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually heard a lot about it. Like before
1: she even went on. Like in order for a game to kind of like reach my ears, like it has to be ha- reaching like a critical mass, you know. Right, so like, right. I was like, hey, you know, like whatever. Eight months ago, have you guys heard of Animal Crossing? Like, yeah, okay, you know. But like, it feels <laughs> like it feels like Among Us is like kind of becoming one of those games now, where it's like it, even it's been
6: out for a minute, but it's like, been out for like, like three, three years. Yeah. <laughs> but, like <laughs> literally, it's been out and like doing okay. But the moment Twitch was like, hey. And you got and then it just like, boom boom everyone's doing a right. video on it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Right.
6: But yo, that game is like who I, I am excited for those devs because I'm sure they're like, man, no one's really playing our game that much. And it's like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> our servers are going crazy. Yeah. But no, um, yeah, I mean, ALC getting on that game was like was a fantastic move. And also I think really kind of encapsulates uh, what the Democrats need to be and what politicians should be. Like the fact that literally almost every Congress person is susceptible to catching COVID in, in the danger zone because they are over like 60 is ridiculous. Like you have like these really young folks and also AOC. Well, like, like before she even started campaigning, worked as like worked as a waitress at, or an, and a bartender because she had to like, pick up money and like pay for health insurance and then mm-hmm. becomes and the congress is like hey like i know from experience all of this stuff is wrong because i live this life. Mm-hmm. But, like that's important and like the democrats have that. And i feel like what's terrible about it is like the dems seem to fully be shirking these young kids and the and like who are fully vetted congressmen who like have voices and want change are like okay they're a little extreme for us but it's like you're, you're going to lose an important factor of your party these young folks who are really gunning it and getting these voters in and this is a prime example like could you see uh, could you see barbara boxer or uh <laughs> or nancy pelosi like, or, yeah. or, or yeah. feinstein on here like coming <laughs> to play among us no. or feinstein.
5: hillary Say, i feel like that's, that's something hillary, hillary would, do. would have been
6: terrible but you have yeah. someone yes. <laughs> who like one knows knows like the game that's popular and two partnered with a fellow popular twitch streamer and then that twitch streamer invited her own friends all of whom are also unpopular and now you have like among us, you feel like you put up to a hundred people it's it's, it's crazy but now you have all these people who are just like you know on one server together kind of just like talking at one another and you have their audience members around them who are listening to them who are typing questions in the chat who are being a part of this whole thing and now you have influenced all people to now become young voters and showing them which party is the coolest party or which party is a party that's so tapped in to the young folks and I think was also great was the fact that AOC didn't use that time to like talk about policy she just hung out with them and like asked and then asked them questions. They asked her questions and she just had a fun time with them. She didn't make it political. Like the, the most she said was everyone should go vote. There's a lot of things that are wrong, you know, in, in our country. We got to work to <laughs> fix them. And I think what was really cool was um, at some point someone was like, should we, show, sh- like, should we be calling you Congresswoman or Miss Ocasio-Cortez? She goes, you can call me AOC. Mike Pence can't call me AOC. <laughs> he was like that's the name you all gave me and you can call me that but no yeah. other sitting member of congress should call me. They should call me by my title which is congresswoman. And I was like all right go ahead.
1: I mean that was a wonderful like overview of that moment and I already was optimistic about it but now I'm just like thoroughly over the moon partly because we get so fixated on the now, right? We're like the only thing that matters right now is like Trump goes and Biden's in or whatever and like, yeah, sure, that's that's true and that's fine for our moment. But, you know, particularly for young people, like there is a long political future ahead of us, Do you know what I mean, that is like way bigger than this election or even the one that's four years from now, which is like what is the Democratic Party going to be? Or what is the Republican Party going to be? Or what is the structure going to be that we come up with that replaces the Democratic Party and the Republican Party? And I like whenever we're fixated on a single political moment I always like to try to like pull out a little bit and just like zoom out and look at our trajectory and you know we we talked a lot about the democratic primaries on this show obviously um And I think the main disappointment, I don't know if you guys have heard these shows, but Travis comes on the show a lot and he was just so like put out by the whole process that ended with Joe Biden. Right. And like I don't want to spend a lot of time talking bad about Joe Biden. But at the beginning of the Democratic primaries, I was like, you know what, at the end of this, like we're either going to get somebody who's like not old or like not white or not a man just like one of those things can we just get like a young person or like a non-white person or a woman you know and that's kind of what i thought those things are symbolic in a lot of ways and i don't i don't just mean like oh because you're like a young black woman that you're going to be like the best president or whatever but you know that is the future of the party that is what our country looks like and i think that's what some of the disappointment was we're like damn we went through all that and we kind of just got like not only an old white guy, because Bernie Sanders <laughs> is also is also an old Safe, white guy. Safe, bland, vanilla you know I mean? old white oh, guy. Yes, I think you said it. I think you said it well, Marlon. The old white guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like the most like prototypical, like been in Washington forever, like by the book kind of Democrat guy, you know. <laughs> and again, I don't want to spill a lot of ink on like what's not great about Joe Biden, but in terms of the future, like that moment, like that AOC flashpoint, you know, like I got excited about the future of the party you know, during those interim elections, when AOC and Ilhan Omar were elected, because they're like, wow, this is traction. Like this party could have a future that involves like not only just like, you know, women and people of color and young people, but also like new ideas, because all those people who came in are like much, much more like of the left than of like the Democratic Party. And they're talking about A Green New Deal and they're talking about environmentalism and they're talking about like some socialist policies that young people are very interested in. Right. So I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. Election Day. It's cataclysmic. It's apocalyptic. But. You know, and whatever happens, happens. And here we are standing by each other. But, like, the bigger thing really is, like, what do we want? Because right now we only know what we don't want. You know what I mean? Or not, I say we, whatever. People who are very invested in having conversations like we're having here, like, everybody's united in many ways on what they don't want, which is this person to be president anymore. But, like, seeing AOC up there, I'm like, oh, like, let's really start to think about what we do want and, like, and make that the focus. And whoever ends up being the next president, like, hold them accountable to those principles.
0: Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our our usual host, Russell Morris, who always holds it down for us at Margin Call. Thanks to our guests, Travis, Amelia, Kat, Ray, and Marlon for coming on all the episodes and having such great, insightful conversations. We deeply appreciate it. We look forward to bringing you more discussions about the election post post election discussion not right away as you know it's probably going to take much more time to figure out who our next president is um but until then be safe wear a mask and quest on we'll see you guys next time this episode of quest
3: on media's margin call was produced in richmond california